0: This is Nick Haim from nisagayoga.com, where you will find information about non-dual therapy and mentoring. We'll publish a new episode of the Non-Duality Podcast soon. In the meantime, here's Peter Brown with an introduction to the yoga of radiant presence. Here you are. Here is your experiential field, this bubble of presence of, of apparent phenomena, of apparent qualities floating, right here, right now, like always. That's the sole fact. Always, it's the same as it has always been, that's the constant fact. And anything else that appears to be a fact, or that appears to be a sub-fact, or a sub-aspect of that, is hypothesis. So, the entirety of spirituality, the entirety of this yoga is simply looking at this actuality, looking at this fact, looking at this presence um, of, you know, what you may be used to calling or you may not be used to calling your experiential field and check it out. See, you know, explore what it is, explore how it is, explore the way in which it is um, through medium of it itself it is by its very nature an intense self-engagement so that you have that going for you and um that's the entire shooting match right there that's the entire show everything else gets down to fine points and nuances and implications and what have you <coughs> of course as always the biggest challenge to this exploration is we overcomplicate it because we think we already know a lot about it and and everything that we know about it by and large is entirely inaccurate and entirely um, uh, well just inaccurate untrue by virtue of being uh held too rigidly as being um how whatever way it seems to be being held <laughs> You know, one of the most amazing and, 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 and primordial, let's say, or primal aspects of this that is discovered is its slipperiness. And it's, it's, as you, as you, as you point out, it's wonderful ease and, and spontaneity. And, you know, not only is there no need to try to hold it too rigidly or hold it too logically or hold it too, you know, categorize it or be this way or that way with it, but in the, on the contrary, that's that's more that's more alien to its essential nature, which is this amazing slipperiness, this amazing sort of a cascading openness and playfulness. Um, I mean, not that it is literally those qualities in any simple way, but that sort of a spirit, that sort of a mood, is, I would say, probably much more consonant with its its inherent nature of. Um, of um infinity, of unresolvability, of of um you know, not being locked into being this or that in any precise way, the way human logic is or is you know, is accustomed to approaching things. And so we discovered this amazing slipperiness and multivariance and things aren't this or that, they're sort of both and neither and all over the place and everything becomes um much more apparently sort of dreamlike and Slippery and luscious and rich and and it's all um, It's all you it's all right here. It's doing itself You don't need to go get it. You don't need to find it. You don't need to hold it (laughs) On the contrary, you can't stop it (laughs) And yeah, it's you know Letting go into its lusciousness and just tripping on and having fun with it is certainly um, You know a consonant with its its flavor its nature you know, you can approach it all contracted and tight and purposefully, and trying to constrain it as this or that or the other. But God, what a lot of work! And you don't really get anything for your effort. So, what's the point? Kick back, kick back, have a tall, cool one, or or, or smoke a hot one, and you know, <laughs> have some fun. <laughs> yeah, all there is is this endless, this endless um, spectrum of experiential characteristics. And there's no there's no intrinsic value system. There's no better or worse. It's just weird flavors that have no resolution and they have no consistency or persistence. They're just these these bizarre flavors wafting through continuously and and without any but basically no they don't they don't have any impact. They don't have any cause and effect. They don't have any staying power and you know, these things we're used to qualifying as really mattering are psychological you know, components in our sense of self-image and our sense of self-worth and all these turn out to be complete absurdities. Um, you know, that are just cobbled together out of out of suppositions of these experiential qualities, which in actual fact cannot be cobbled together because they don't have any any uh, sufficient coherence or sufficient um, permanence or sufficient duration to even. You know, be held as anything because already, they've already morphed into something else and they never even were anything even when they're present because when something shows up, of course, if you look at it, it, it opens into weirdness, it opens into, you know, into unresolvability. In, 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 you know, in sort of consensus reality, human functioning, we're orienting typically to a conceptual framework of what we think we are and what we think is going on. And so the process of this yoga, the process of the sanity, really, is to simply let go of that and recalibrate and orient towards what is actually <laughs> going on, what is actually present, which of course is you know what i 'm calling the experiential field, and one discovers when one notices that that there's nothing but that going on, and it, ex- it is what it is, and it exists in the way that it exists, which does not correspond at all to what um you know, to to what to what any any and all human frameworks and interpretive frameworks of it um, um, hold it to be, um, and if so of course it's so it's essentially a process of recalibrating your orientation to your experience, rather than orienting through this filter of an of an interpretive framework of oh I am a human being and I am in the world and I have a history and I'm going to die and I have. Stat, social status, and i you know all these various things that ordinarily as people we you know we 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 orient towards to various degrees the discovery that in actuality what what is here and the way that it is here doesn't correspond to any of that <laughs> and simply recalibrating reorienting to what is actually here and the way that it is actually here um is sanity it is it is you know realization it is liberation because one becomes free of all that unnecessary entanglement and all of this imaginary bullshit that constitutes the normal you know the normal human um you know uh, functional framework (laughs) because again as humans we have these categories of substance and thingness and action and verbness and all of this and reality doesn't the nature of this doesn't actually correspond to that when you assume that there is a substance to be found, and you're looking for the substance, you don't find it. It's not quite like that, and yet it doesn't disappear. It's not nothing either, but it's not actually a substance. And you're looking for an action, and it doesn't actually, doesn't actually correlate to actually being an action either. So that's not findable. So again, you know, we think, you know, like like you say, looking for thought. Well, thought is an actuality, or you wouldn't know it was happening, right? But you go looking for this actuality. And you cannot find it, you cannot pin it down, when I say you can't find it, it's more that you can't pin it down to being, to being anything that you can wrap your head around, that you can categorize. It's not a substance, it's not an action, it's not happening in a location, you know. So all of these different parameters, all these different, you know, axes of analysis that we try to approach this in terms of just turn out not to apply. So in every, in every case you look at any actual experiential phenomenon and you say, well, is it is it A? No, no, it's not that. Is it B? No, it's not that. Is it C? You know, it's always D, none of the above. You know, it's not, nothing is a substance, nothing is an action, nothing is, you know, has a location. That it, none of these things can be pinnable down, can be, can be pinned down as such, because the actuality, I mean, this is why I like this word transcendental. The actuality transcends any of these human categories. It transcends any of these you know um notions that we try to approach it in terms of it is only itself and it is what it is in the way that it is that that's the closest you can get you can't collapse it to anything else you can't collapse it to some model or some measuring rod or some you know some some concept of you know fit it into some category because it it is its own category you know radiant presence is the sole category and it's not and it's a non-categorical category it's just this (laughs) ordinary human modes of trying to analyze things and make sense of them in terms of categories just doesn't apply and and it's hard to get that through our thick heads because we're so used to trying to wrap our head around things and come up with theories and come up with descriptions and and we're pretty damn good at it because we're you know we're clever right but then (laughs) That all of that is just to no avail because this is not that kind of critter This is not that kind of situation and when we begin to yeah, see that is. it's like wow Actually, what a load off because all of that analysis is a shitload of work and yeah And you find when you let go of all of this all of this all of this, you know analytical mode You aren't you aren't doing any less than you ever were by just relaxing and being lazy You're actually just as mentally busy and mentally engaged as you ever were. It's just in a more effortless you know non Non-structural uh, uh, mode, and and it's it's more fun. It's easier. It's like you know, hey, <laughs> it's a no-brainer, really. <laughs> it's intrinsically a zero-sum game. Nothing can be gained and nothing can be lost. Um, it's a it's a fullness. It's a completeness already. I mean, um, I don't know if you any of you care about that, but there's a a branch of philosophy called Zongchun, which literally means the great completeness. And this is what they're referring to: is the fact that this actuality is entirely, intrinsically complete. There's nothing to be gained. There's nothing to be lost. There's nothing to be risked. Um, and and this is literally true, and it's and and it's perceivable. It's knowable. It's 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 feelable. And the the implications of of letting yourself notice that, and letting yourself feel this completeness, is just so luscious because all our anxiety and fearfulness of the normal human mindset you know of oh oh you know i've got to i i can't you know i'm going to lose i'm going to get sick i'm going to die i'm going to i'm going to be poor i'm going to you know people are going to hate me whatever all these sort of stories that we that we you know tell ourselves negatively as big as and hold as worries and problems turns out to not exist nothing can happen nothing nothing bad can happen i mean experiences of pain and 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 loss can happen but in the experience of pain there is there's still this experience doesn't lose anything or gain anything an experience of of loss nothing is actually lost and nothing is actually gained because the experiential field is an absolute constant it doesn't it doesn't gain or lose anything and that's the only thing that's here all of these patterns and, and shadows and flavors that are appearing they're appearing, but they aren't here with any with any solidity, with any um, duration, with any um, implication. You know, this this can seem to be uh, you know a, like a trajectory or a a, a a process that can seem to take a certain amount of time, because typically we have a life a lifelong habit of you know basically being brainwashed, being a crazy person, orienting to these interpretations of what we are. Um, and these things have a staying power, not because they have a staying power, because we have the habit of going to these modes of thought, returning to them again and again and again. So typically, the, the process of extricating oneself from these these fantasies and seeing that they are fantasies and have no power can take a, can take a, a you know a, what may seem to be a, a certain amount of time, um, because one has to. One has to prove to oneself because what this is is so radically and fundamentally contrary to what we're used to feeling like we are and what we're used to feeling like our life is that, you know, it, it's hard, it's, it's, I think it's difficult to, to take in one swallow for, for most people, you know. It's like, even if you see it and even if you feel the actuality of it, it's still, you know, it's still like, whoa, whoa, that's amazing, but, but, but I have a lifelong weight of my, you know, my karmic orientation, if you will, or my, you know, uh, holding myself, my suffering, my pain, my, my, you know, personality struggles and self-image stuff and all that. And, you know, uh, uh, what we, this is familiar to us, we go back to this, this is, this is present to whatever degree within our experience. And so typically this, this process of yoga can be a little disorienting, because you're kind of in two worlds at the same time. Which don't really have a lot to do with each other, even though they're actually the same world. You know, where, where you're, you're exploring this revelation, this discovery that, wow, what's here is really incredible and it's so different than I thought. But at the same time, there's this lifelong habit of holding it a certain way, which has a, you know, which has a certain um, staying power. So, 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 so again, it's not, it's not an either or it's not like a light light switch that you just turn on or off you know typically it's a it's like a long process of of, of de indoctrination <laughs> because you know we've been we've been, have a lifelong indoctrination in that that has brought us to our, our our current mindset our current you know persona and sense of ourselves and self image in the world and um, you know that has really been drilled in over over you know a great at at great length with a lot of evidence and a lot of um, reinforcement and all that for many many years so so to just to just completely be free of that once and for all um, i you know it can it can happen people can actually just sort of get this all in one pop but much more typically there's a a durational period um, which can even be quite protracted where you're kind of in both worlds and you're having to sort of Prove, you know, if you keep keep letting this prove itself, and and, and gradually, the, the 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 you know the, the stuckness or the holding you know the attraction of going back to these old patterns just diminishes, um, and it can be quite gradual. But eventually, they, that becomes less relevant, and this this openness and freedom becomes more relevant. You know, in, in its own time frame, it it does what it does. It depending upon your individual nature and. But the main thing is, um, it's don't, in practical terms, don't try to challenge or dismantle these old these old orientations. Just let them be where they are. So if you're you know if you're feeling like you're fucked up and you're stuck in your life, just okay, cool, you're feeling that. But so it's not a matter of of applying trying to apply an antidote to that or to fix that, but just. Just sidestep it and and try to have some degree of contact with this amazing presence that's here and that by its very nature does the dismantling for you so it's very effortless. so just just letting so it's, so it's delightfully easy and, and fun you just go to the go to some degree of contact with with the openness with the presence with the amazingness and just feel that to whatever degree you can even if you snap back into your old stuff no problem and then again, It's sort of just, that's the cycle. So, and again, you just sort of repeat that. Come to some contact with this amazingness. And over time, these contacts do all the work for you. They, they, they intrinsically, um, prove themselves and, and verify their, it's a self-verifying thing of its, of its, its, its nature proves itself. Its nature demonstrates itself. And what you are becomes more and more clear. And what you thought you were becomes less and less relevant um, over time. But you don't—it's not like you need to do anything, or or figure it out, or think about it, or deconstruct anything, or even look at that stuff. You can be really very, very laissez-faire with it and very relaxed, and just let yourself bounce around as you want. But the main thing is, from time to time, come to come to an intimate contact with this actuality that's here, and just that contact from time to time will do all the work for you so that's that's the good news it's definitely the lazy man's yoga (laughs) the radiance intrinsically shows up as being intensely patterned to various degrees Um, and of course we're very familiar with this in the waking state with you know all the 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 intense patterning that we interpret as being objects in the material world the intense patterning that we interpret as you know, being the celestial objects and stars and suns, and so on and so forth. Um, and this patterning, um, you know, we in material in materialistic approach, you, we we make the leap of assuming this patterning is actually something in itself. Um, but if you take if you take an approach in terms of radiant presence, the patterning, the radiance is always spontaneously patterned. It presents itself. Um, inherently as degrees of patterning and so radiance always shows up as qualities and we see this with i mean as apparent uh, apparent patterned qualities and we see this in dreams we see this in you know when you close your eyes for example you close your eyes and you may see a light show but that then the light show may seem to be relatively amorphous but but in actuality it's also a, a degree of high it's highly patterned it's not just pure gray you know, it's intensely structured, perhaps with a more slippery, fluid nature than some structuring. But a lot of structuring in the waking state is very slippery and fluid nature. I mean, you can watch the surface of water or watch clouds or, you know, watch any change, really, and you notice this, this slipperiness that happens at, at all different frequencies and speeds and so on and so forth. Um, so the really interesting issue is the mm-hmm. patterning, the radiance, the, the tendency of, of radiance to show up with these intense patternings, which is of course where we get tripped up, because this is the basis for uh, delusion, is, is interpreting the patternings as being something in themselves, as being actual objects or actual entities, and so on and so forth. We we interpret, you know, I, I, we may interpret yourself as being a, a, a real entity because it's a, you know, the, my body is a pattern and my. Personality is a pattern and my thoughts are patterns and so on, which coexist in the field of other patternings which I may interpret as not myself like the patterning of the room I'm sitting in and the patterning of these pictures on the walls and you know patterning of the computer on my lap that I'm talking to and so on. You know so this, but, but all of these patternings actually appear in the same way, and they're all made of the same thing. they're all, they're all patterns of experiential qualities. And when you, when you get down to that fact, to the fact of the absolute um, inclusiveness of, of, the, the, of, the, of the, the experiential qualities, they're all, are all the same. They're homogeneous, essentially. Um, all light is just light. All sound is just sound. The light from my computer and the light from my hand is the same light. It's not like this light is me and that light is, is that. This light is subjective and that light is objective. It's a field of light that is present that is intensely patterned. The sound, you know, I hear sound. I hear the sound of my own voice. I hear the sound of your voice. I hear other little quiet sounds in the room. The field of sound is all sound. It's not my sound and your sound and other sound. It's just a field of sound. And so, likewise, the the experiential field is is infinitely differentiated. You know, if you look closely, you can just find inconceivable degrees of differentiation. But it's all differentiation of the same stuff, of the same thing, which I sort of, you know, sum up by calling radiance. So light and sound and thought and all of these different things are different textures of, of radiance. It's this presence of the qualities that the, the the presence of reality spontaneously appears as. And when you see it in those terms, it... It doesn't negate the detailing. It doesn't negate the sun. It doesn't negate the bodies. It doesn't negate the people. All of that comes with, but you see more fundamentally, that it's all aspects and elaborations of one primal fundamental condition. Um, and no, you don't need any extra explanation. You don't need any extra intermediaries to justify it. You don't need laws of physics. You don't need history. You don't need all these things. It, it can look, it can be interpreted in those terms but it doesn't need to be and if you interpret it in those terms it just gets more and more complicated more and more you know, abstract and more and more confusing and less and less actual and nothing is gained by doing that whereas if you look at, if you look at it as the, this primal condition of radiant presence that by its very nature presents all of this elaboration it all—it's it, intrinsically integrated. It makes sense. It's perfect. It, you know, it's, it's totally obvious. It's completely obvious that that's the case. And and then and then a lot of factors which don't make sense with any of the other explanations make sense. Like the fact that this is always the same. It's always been, you know, your experience has always been exactly the same, right? It's always been you here. When you were two, it felt exactly like it feels now. It looked different, of course, right? But it, but it was still just just you here right so this you hereness the, the feeling that this has the absolute constancy and, and and unviolability of that is completely obvious and so that 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 happens to look so different that that happens to have such an elaborate incredible readout of of change and differentiation and elaboration um if you just if you just see that that's it's, it's in nature to do so then it's fine. And then the instability of all that and the fact that all of that is is absolutely unresolvable and absolutely unparsable. You can't make sense of it, you can't have a logical explanation or description of it, all of a sudden falls into place. It's like, well of course not, because it's an infinite display of of you know, of, of infinite patterning and in something that's intrinsically unpatterned, that never departs from itself, it never so the radiance is right here. It's not going anywhere. You're not losing it. <laughs> it's just all these weird shapes and weird qualities continually appearing. <laughs> but but nothing is gained, nothing is lost. It's just here. It's like in a dream. You don't lose or gain anything in a dream. It's just... Because the dreaming isn't actually being gained or lost. Right? These things can seem to happen, but nothing's actually happening because the dreaming is just here. And, and likewise, you know... The radiant presence, as the as as a way of describing the fundamental condition, that's always the same in in every state. You know, waking, sleep, dream, life, death, whatever, is always the same. And this can be felt. It's can be self-verifyingly felt and explored. And from that perspective, it's coherent. It makes perfect sense. It's more coherent than any other perspective. The, the, the whole point of all this the powerful fact of all this is that just looking at experience itself as experience and looking at what that is is, is, is inconceivably powerful um, and it conveys it, it reorients um, any, any erroneous orientation that you've developed um, in, as, as an entity, as a life form as a, a being um, it spontaneously reorients and corrects your orientation to actuality itself, which turns out to be transcendental, complete fullness. Um, and you discover this directly, and, and it becomes more and more clear and more and more true for you, and you settle into that, and this, be- this becomes the totality of what you are, of what this is, of what reality is. You discover you are this. You are this actuality that is here, and 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 that uh, turns out to be rather a nice thing <laughs> in terms of what this actually happens to be, especially by contrast with what we were used to thinking it is in our our crappy <laughs> our crappy human <laughs> precarious existence, <laughs> and it's all it all is an effortless consequence of simply. Attending to experience itself and looking at what it actually is in the way that it is. That the field of the field of presence is always full of radiance, and you know, as humans, we're sort of we've become trained or trained ourselves to only really notice the dominant kinds of radiance. You know, the things that are really in your face and and bright and up up close. But in actuality, the the you know. In, in, to put it in terms of the sensory fields, all the sensory fields are comp- always completely full. You, you know, you can go into an absolutely dark room, and yet the field of vision will still be full of subtle light phenomena. You can go into an absolutely quiet room, or absolutely quiet space, or put in earplugs or whatever, and yet the field of, of hearing will always be full of, of qualities. Now, the qualities may have different degrees of subtlety. So if you're, in a bright, if you're in a bright area with your eyes open and a lot of things around, then obviously there's all of this very obvious front and center experiential characteristics. But, you know, you go into an absolutely dark room or something, and the, the qualities that are present may be more subtle, you know, in, in certain undefinable ways. But if you look in actuality, the entire visual field will be completely full, always completely full. And the same with hearing, so even in, you know, as you're as you're hearing, even if there's nothing particularly to listen to, there's no loud sounds or anything dominant. Nonetheless, there's always it's always a completely full expression, a full field of energy, a full field of radiance. Thoughts the same way. Even if you're not thinking about anything, the field of thought is full. Even if you're not feeling anything, you know, there's no dominant thought. Suppose you're in a sensory isolation tank or something where you're, you know, you're sensory stimuli are, are absolutely minimized in terms of your tactile senses the same thing even though that happens it'll still be a completely full so the field of radiance is always full it's never more it's never has more in it or never has less in it it can the, the quality the, sort of the textural qualities of what's present can be more you know have different textures like more explicit like say you're in a bright room well illuminated with colorful objects in it versus being in a dark room where you don't see much, you can say that there's sort of a different texture of, of obviousness. Or, you, or you're in a, loud, a sound field where there's loud sound versus a very quiet field. You can say there's sort of differences of amplitude or whatever in present. But in actuality, there's no, it's no more or less. It's just different textures. And the same way, when you're asleep, say you're in deep sleep and you start to dream, you know, when you're in deep sleep, it's more sort of amorphous, perhaps. You know, maybe the the, the qualities of the characteristics of the of the of the radiance that's present, the, the characteristics of the experiential you know qualities is is you know more uh, not particularly um, patterned, very obviously. Then you start dreaming, and maybe perhaps all of a sudden it becomes much more explicit. But it's not like more event is happening. There's no more experience happening. Nothing's been gained or lost. It just it can change in terms of the sort of texture of of of, of how how heavy handed the patterning is or or what have you. You know, and again, you can't even that you can't actually pin down how that is that or why that is that. Because nothing in the radiance, the very nature of the radiance is unresolvable. So when you look at any aspect of it and try and pin down well what exactly is going on? You know, when you're in a bright room, and all of these things are so clear and obvious and sharp and present, and then you go in a very, very dim room with all the lights off at night, and you can't barely see anything like what what exactly is is the difference there what you know and you you'll never get an answer, and yet it's it's completely obvious you don't need to get an answer because it's palpable you you can feel it you know the the, the range the range of the of the of the um you know, sort of textures of the radiance can present in. It's just this infinite spectrum. Um, But it's never, it never, it's never more and it's never less. It's always just different. You know, the the experiential field is always completely full. It's never fuller and it's never less full. It's not more full when you're awake and it's not less full when you're asleep. It's just different. (laughs) Different, you know, different... um, Textures different hierarchies of patterning organization or what, what have you. I mean, you know, you can't and you can't categorize it You can't actually pin down what's going on with that But the important point is that it never actually becomes anything different. It just looks different. It, seem, it, it, it seems different You know what what the experiential field when you're in deep sleep and the experiential field when you're awake is exactly the same event just a very different textual presentation of that event, and and again, this you know this is like look for yourself and play with this and discover it and ex- feel it, you know feel the presence of the experiential field, feel what the presence of the experiential field looks like when it's awake and you're very analytical and functional and focused, and feel what the presence of the experiential field feels like when you're drifting off to sleep and you're all spaced out and you sort of uh, you know, it's actually exactly the same. <laughs> same presence it's the same qualities you know but because we you know humans orient largely to the waking state so we think of this as more real or I'm more present or I'm more me and somehow I'm losing something when I go to sleep but in terms of the actual nature of the experiential field which is not biased towards conscious mind functionality it's not biased towards an analytic frame of mind it's actually the same amount of presence, the same amount of qualities, the same amount of richness, it's just not in a, in a mode of presence of a conscious analytical mind heavy-handedly. It's a more sort of a, a, a textural floating amorphous, um, I mean, you, you can't really characterize it, because I'm trying to use words which are waking state analytical <laughs> mode, right? <laughs> but But again, the felt experience of it, is a continuum it's a continuity and it's you know it's completely obvious if you play with it and ultimately there's no gain or loss you know if you live a clueless life and all you're worried about is football scores and money and getting laid it's not any different than being with the radiance and being you know and being a yogi and becoming realized because in actuality it's exactly the same condition nothing has been gained and nothing has been lost So all of this stuff is only valuable and interesting if for some reason, for some quirky reason, accident of being, that it happens to be valuable and interesting to you. Most people it isn't. I mean look, we're doing this broadcast, right, and we have, what, you know, 15, 16 people here, whatever, out of how many billion people on the face of the earth right now, you know? So it's like, (laughs) it's obviously not a very popular (laughs) engagement, and that's and that's fine there's no reason it should be because because again, nothing is actually lost by by being being with this, being in this anyway, being in being in this in you know in ignorance, spiritually, or being this realized in realization, nothing is gained. And realization is actually nothing other than the realization that 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 there is no realization <laughs> that all there is is this condition. As just like it's always been the condition this condition that you know I used to think mattered is this and that, and now I know it doesn't matter but but even in knowing it doesn't matter, nothing has really changed. <laughs> it's not like the condition is any different; it never mattered. <laughs> I just know it now <laughs> it's best to be to to be sort of loose and easy and spontaneous with it. Um, the more the more you approach it as a duty or as a practice or something you need to remember to do, um, the more the more alien you are to the spirit of it. Spontaneity is its very nature. So even if you find yourself only drifting, only noticing you know the amazingness of your experience every once in a while, that's absolutely fine. Um, it's best to be you know be, typically what we do as human beings is we try to, work with things, we try to make them, you know, figure out how to make it be effective and figure out what to do and figure out a process and try and apply ourselves. And all of that is completely the opposite of the very nature of what this is. And because of that, the best way to be with this is in the way that it is with itself, which is completely loosely, openly, spontaneously. So whenever whenever um, you just find yourself... You know, and it can be very, even very rarely, you know, just, you're walking, you look at a color, or you see something, something that strikes you a certain way, and all of a sudden you just sort of go, ah, you know, and feel the, the, the amazing presence of the experience. And even if that only happens once in a while, that's great. Um, because it's better to be very loose and easy with it than to try, than to be effortful, than to sort of be trying, or to try to achieve something. Because it's not about achieving. It's really about letting go more than anything, um, and so um, a, a looseness and an ease and a playfulness is a, a good attitude to approach it in terms of because you know and and you don't need to be be at all concerned about the you know the even if these things happen every once in a while and it doesn't seem like much, the power of these noticings is really is really um. um inconceivable. Um, you know noticing will trump your your ordinary orientation intrinsically. And it doesn't need to be made um, you know made stronger or emphasized or clung to or trying to trying to push it through sort of thing. Um, just just lightly and easily whenever it happens, just being with that is really powerfully transformative. And it works, it doesn't work logically, it works It works intrinsically, it works sort of under the table. So, you may not be aware of any, it's just like every once in a while you have this this sort of like, sort of tripping on your experience or looking at your experience and going, wow, amazing. And even if that's all that happens, that's very powerful and very transformative, even if you don't notice that it's being much, even if it doesn't seem to be like, so what? (laughs) And so just just being loose and easy with it um will actually make it will actually be the most effective way to do it and depending on your temperament again different people are different some people are you know everyone has a different um style of approach to things and so on and so forth but in general, just being loose and easy and spontaneous um and and sort of use enjoyment even hedonistic so you just you let yourself go to some lusciousness of experience or like a flavor you taste you taste a candy or something or uh, you know a liqueur or something and you're, oh, what a flavor amazing, amazing flavor I can't put my hand on it I can't, you know, I can't pin it down what's so amazing about that and just that right there is, is powerful and it's transformative and the, whole, the whole normal human method is to suppose we have to do something or achieve something or make something or have some sort of a process which is it's just so far from the truth you know, reality is already done. Nothing needs to be achieved. Nothing needs to be done. And yet, all of this apparent achievement and, and accomplishment, continue, or lack thereof, continue to occur spontaneously, and it's just, it's largely irrelevant. It's not a problem. It's fine. You know, if you find yourself doing things and getting caught up in things, that's, 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 that's cool. But in actuality, that's not what counts. <laughs> it's simply the presence of all of this that is the real show, that is the real Um, importance here, not whether it it happens this way or that way, which is, you know, as normal humans, that's how we normally approach it, you know, just just the presence, the presence of experience is the whole, is the entire content, is the entire uh, importance, is the entire event, and you know, as, as humans, that's much too simple for us. <laughs> we need something much more baroque and <laughs> complicated and and problematic to bang our heads against to feel, you know, frustrated and so on and so forth. The soap opera. <laughs> you know, the important engagement is the intrinsic engagement. Even if you have a, an enormous distance and an enormous detachment from your experience, that's actually a, a partialized stance because. You aren't, there's no, actually no detachment from your experience and actually no distance from your experience. Of course, your experience is here, it's present. And so the the intrinsic engagement is, that's why I like to call this noticing. It's not like you need to achieve or manufacture some kind of engagement. It's more noticing the engagement which you can't stop. You can, you can you can be as detached as you want. And you can't actually be detached. <laughs> you can't actually remove yourself from experience. No distance can be achieved. You are here, right? You, you and no, you know it can seem all kinds of detachment and objectivity and whatever, right? But all of that is is a partialized stance, let's say, within absolute engagement, absolute participation, and and so noticing that fact it it stops mattering whether or not um, you're you're detached or not whether or not you're engaged or not because you are engaged and that's the engagement that matters so even if you just were sitting sitting all alone in your room in your room waiting for something interesting to happen in your life and it never did that still is is the supreme yoga that still is um you know um the power of this is not the power of specific events or specific projects. The power of this is the power of the presence of experiencing. And, of course, that never stops. And that's the quality that matters. And, again, it's not an either-or. It's not like you need to, you know, that's since that's what matters, then I need to ignore my life and ignore my projects and ignore my relationships and ignore what... It's like, no, it doesn't matter. Have about it, you know, have relationships, have projects, have... You know go out and save the whales and become president and and you know do whatever it is you want to do is irrelevant but it's not when I say it's irrelevant it doesn't matter one way or the other to what we're working with here and the only thing that matters here is the the intrinsic actuality of this event that is unstoppably occurring you're happening. It, the The show is going on, and this is it. And 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 then, and then what is that? And then when you look at what is that, you discover, wow, I can't answer that question. And isn't that interesting? <laughs> and you look closer, and the closer you look, the less you can answer it. And isn't that interesting? Um, or you don't look close at all, but it doesn't matter because it still is the case. Um, so it's you know it, it's here to explore to whatever degree you want, but. It, it it itself is what matters. Priorities shift, and especially if we're used to living our life in a way where we are really applying ourselves to our projects and such, then that has a certain feeling tone. It feels very familiar. And, you know, when we get to shift to a little more, a little more sort of a, um, uh, you know, less less project oriented um, living just to life itself, that can feel like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, what's going on here? You know, it's, it's unfamiliar because the familiarity is the, you know, the targeted thing. But, you know, that's, but again, that's, in itself, that's neither here nor there. Um, um, and, and you say old habits die hard, but they, old habits don't even need to die. It doesn't matter if you're a project-oriented person, let's say, as, and to characterize it arbitrarily, that that's fine to, to be that way, and you don't need to not be that way. It's not like, it's not like there's an either or where you have to, you know, you have to become disengaged from your life, and you have to become somehow, you know, um, a, a spiritual zombie and 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 focused on this yoga all the time or something, um, or not. Um, and, and yet, um, the the very process of unfoldment. Will will tend to show up as these various shifts, and and just the, the, the normal pattern of life shows up as shifts. As one gets older, one one's in engagement with one with one's life naturally mutates, you know, naturally morphs, and you know, you end up sooner or later, you're an old fogey sitting rocking on the front porch, <laughs> or whatever, right? And and so these and which may feel unfamiliar if you if you've been a you know a, a doer all your life just by temperament or what have you. Um, but again, that's that's neither here nor there. That's just the, you know the nature of the beast. So. It's all good. What <laughs> <clears throat> is here is an astounding phenomenon. Probably the most amazing thing about it is how easily it can be mistaken, or I should say, taken for being what we usually think of it as being. You know, your life, your world, space and time, causality, history stretching back five billion years or whatever. I mean, this whole astounding thing that we think is here. And yet, if you look, all there is is this absolute instantaneous presence of your experience, you know, which you're the only sole inhabitant of. You're the only one seeing your experience. And with all of these amazing instantaneous patterns appearing, um, and on that flimsy basis, all of human knowledge and all of human, you know, um, um, explanation is erected, mm. <coughs> which is fine. Um, but basically, all of human knowledge is hypothesis. And it's generally not acknowledged as such. It's generally held to be fact. You know, there is an objective world. There is matter. Matter is made of subatomic particles, you know. Um, There are people. There are are genetics. There is causality. There is space and time. All of these things are just held, you know, it's it's just... If if you said that, that that's questionable... People would say you're nuts. You know, you're you're a, you're a UFO loony or a Hollow Earth wacko or whatever. <clears throat> and yet, all of these interpretations are hypotheses that are erected on the basis of your <laughs> present experience. When you were born, of course, you didn't know anything. What, what, what was there when you were born? Just wah, this, this, right? You didn't know it was you, you didn't know there was a world, you didn't know anything, just this incredible blast of light and sound and texture and all this amazing you know, energies that were just nakedly present without any interpretation, without any qualification, without any backstory or narration, just experiential actuality. Instantaneously present, absolutely unstable. Whatever appears in the instant completely morphs or disappears in the next instant. Mm-mm. With no duration, it only exists now. You know where does where's the snap now? I just snapped my fingers. Where is it now? It's nowhere. It's gone. It doesn't exist. It only exists when it exists, and it only exists now if it exists now. And um, so you're born. Into your experience, and all there is is the presence of an experiential field. This bizarre blast, this bizarre wash of apparent quality. And then what happens? Um, You get indoctrinated. You get brainwashed. You get educated. You know, oh, you're you. I'm mommy. This is the world. This is your dog. This is your room. This is a house. No, all this stuff isn't you. This is outside of you. This is the world. You're you. You're over there. You're stuck in this little body. You know, you're this little cute little baby over there. They can't do much but poop itself. And so, what happens? Well, of course, you know, we buy it. (laughs) We buy it hook, line, and sinker. Because why not? Because there's no alternative information. And it sounds plausible. You know, it's a pretty pretty, um, uh, dense story with a lot of inter, you know in, in, interactive intricacy that seems to sort of be true seems to sort of work and before you know it you're indoctrinated into the more or less consensus reality worldview, or or whatever um depending on the, your social context as you're being raised and that and and what happens you don't you don't hold it well that's an interpretation of this you hold that is what this is that is the fact I am Peter Brown. I am in this body. I am in this world. This world is outside me. There is cause and effect. There is history. There is this. There is that. And it's it's unquestioned. I mean, anyone that it, questions it again, you think they're they're nuts or they're, you know, bucking for a president of the philosophy club or something like that, because it's 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 totally obvious. Of course, there's an objective world. What are you saying? There's no objective world. You know, you're nuts if you if you even suggest something like that. <clears throat> but if you look at the actuality, all you can find I mean look and, and do the do the math. Look for the actuality, all you can find is the presence of your experiential field. You know, I can say my experiential field exists. What else can I say that's, you know, undeniably true? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. My experiential field exists. And then I can go on and say it seems to have all of these experiential qualities that seem to present, and all of these experiential qualities seem to present in ways that seem to be more or less intensely patterned in strange ways. And, you know, I, it's possible to, to hypothesize that these patterns indicate certain entities or, or other, and it's possible to, you know, hypothetically interact with these entities in various ways and so on and so forth, All of which is, you know, it's fine. It's no-brainer. I can come here and give a talk, you know. But I don't know that you're there. I'm talking to these shapes that are appearing in my field of vision, right? I mean, that's the reality, right? I can assume you might be there. You might be actual. Or maybe I'm dreaming. I mean, what happens? I go to sleep at night and dream, and all of a sudden I'm talking to a bunch of shapes that are appearing in my experiential field. And when I'm lost in the dream, I think they're really there, right? And then what happens? You wake up and, oh, it was a dream there's no you know that world wasn't there those people weren't there that situation wasn't there it was just a dream what happens when you go to sleep where does this world go I mean you just drift off and you're just gone where's this world gone where's your life gone where's your room gone (laughs) it's a it may as well never have existed like that snap I did a few minutes ago you know where is it now or some snap imagine I snapped my fingers in a dream last night where is that where was it when it was happening if I snap my fingers in a dream last night, not only where is where is it now, but where was it then? Where does a dream happen? Does a dream even have location? It seems to have location, doesn't it? But does it really have location? You know, all, all you can say is, well, it's here, and here means my experiential field. Where is my experiential field? Where is here? Can I say where well, it's just it's just an it's just this. It's just this that is here. It has no location. It's not above anything or below anything or left of anything or right of anything. It's just here. So the finger snap happens here if it happens at all. You know, talking happens here if it happens at all. Dreaming happens here if it happens at all. Right? And, but what does here mean? It, it, it all just collapses into this that, is, this. that is. Well, it's here. It's my experiential field. And, you know, you can throw all of these terms at it, all of these... Know, partial descriptions or you know, um, <coughs> labels and such as if they implied, as if they actually meant anything. But to find out what anything means you have to look at the reality that they refer to and see what it is. And the only thing you can actually find is the presence of your experiential field. Right? Cause I mean, try. Try and find anything other than your experience. Everything you know Exists in your experience, right? I mean you can imagine. Well, maybe maybe San Rafael's out there Maybe there's a street out there. Maybe New York City's out there somewhere, but that's a thought in my experience Right. I mean where's New York right now? It's a thought in my experience (laughs) Um, Where's San Rafael right now? It's a thought in my experience. Where's Open Secret Bookstore right now? It's a thought in my experience because all there is really is is this this field of vision this field of hearing, this field of touch, it's not San Rafael, it's not open secret bookstore, it's not a a talk with a bunch of people, it's just patterns of light, patterns of sound, patterns of sensation, whatever, patterns of experiential characteristics. And even saying that they're patterns, you go looking for the patterns and try and pin them down and say, well, are they really, you know, "What what is any given pattern? And they're so unstable, so absolutely fractally detailed, and so completely instantaneously appearing and disappearing in real time, you can't say what any pattern is, because it's already something else, temporally, and if you look at it in terms of qualities, trying to pin it down, like, you know, you ever looked in a mirror and and tried to figure, what exactly do I look like, right? And you look in the mirror and you say, well, yeah, I'm seeing this, this is what I look like, but then like, but what is that? What do I look like? You know, you can you can stare into a mirror for an hour. I mean, I know um, apologies to the ladies present. I, I know <laughs> the women do this as, as part of their regular routine. But um, you can stare in the mirror for hours and try and figure out what you look like, and you'll never you'll never pin it down, right? You'll you just your you, your face will just go through all of these seeming dimensions of nuance, and you'll notice this, and you'll notice that, and you'll notice the other and. Which one is you, which one is me what what you know what do I look like? and you'll never get an answer to that question because even though there's a pattern present, the pattern has infinite nuance and infinite instability, you know from moment to moment, you know even if it's you can say, well it's pretty much not changing, but you're you notice different things, your eyes are shifting, the light is shifting, you shift your head a quarter of an inch, and all of a sudden you're seeing it from a different angle, and all of this is presents as just as an absolute dynamism of the pattern. And if you look at any of your experience, you'll notice this. I mean, right now you're seeing exactly what you're seeing. An hour ago you weren't seeing this. A day ago you weren't seeing this. And two minutes ago you weren't seeing exactly what you're seeing right now. You could say, well, I was seeing kind of pretty much what I was seeing right now five minutes ago. But pretty much is a euphemism for entirely different. When because because experience is not made of generality, it's made of specifics. You're seeing exactly the patterns and exactly the colors and exactly the luminosities and so on that you're seeing at this moment. Not some vague generalities of, well, it's pretty much the same. It may be pretty much the same, but in actuality it's absolutely different. <laughs> so if you look very closely at your experience, you'll discover this amazing fact of how it's, it has it always changes in the instant and it never repeats. You've never experienced exactly what you experienced right now before. Never, ever, in your whole life. And You're never going to experience it again. And it's already gone. It's already something else. And it's already something else. And it's already something else. And forever. That's just, you know. If you look closely, you'll just, I mean, it's just obvious. It's not even very subtle, it's grossly obvious. We're used to thinking no, but the objective world is out there. We're just sitting there pretty much, and it's not really changing. My head's moving around, so it seems to be moving, but it's just kind of out there. But that's a hypothesis. That's an idea that you hold in your head. You can't. You don't know if there's an objective world. You know, if you last night you were dreaming, you thought there was an objective world. Maybe you thought you were talking to somebody or fighting with somebody or whatever it is you were doing in your dream. Right? And then you wake up and, oh, there was no world there at all. It was a dream. Anyway, um, my my point is um, to to extend an invitation and recommend that a certain amount of intimate scrutiny of your experience will reveal some rather rather interesting um, implications uh, that may not be you know, that you may not be used to exploring, you know, from a consensus reality point of view or from the point of view of what people generally talk about on the street or generally talk about in TV shows or on the news or on the internet or whatever. And the implications of this are pretty powerful uh, and um, certainly interesting. So spirituality is a very peculiar thing. not because it's peculiar in itself, but because it's very peculiar with reference to the way people usually think of things, the way people usually think of themselves. The normal human frame of reference, the sort of consensus reality mindset—let's call it—that maybe you know most people, more or less, have um, holds certain things as being important, certain things as being real, certain other things as being less important. They're taken for granted. And, as it, and these other things as being less real. And what complicates spirituality is that the human perspective has everything completely ass-backwards, 180 degrees around. So what the human consensus reality perspective holds to be important is actually completely unimportant. And what the human, perspective, the human consensus reality perspective holds to be unimportant is actually completely important. Again, from the point of view of spirituality, from the point of view of what is really here. Um, And likewise, what the consensus reality perspective holds to be real is actually essentially unreal and imaginary, and vice versa. Um, So this complicates any attempt to present spirituality, um, especially to people who are not, um, let's say, spiritually sophisticated. (laughs) genuinely spiritually sophisticated because it's natural to expect to be presented in terms of the things that we think are real and important. You know, our personalities, our lives, the circumstances of our, you know, our our life circumstances, our health, our, our, you know, our longevity, our history, all these sorts of things that most people, you know, have most of their... Importance invested in, um, and these these qualities are essentially irrelevant in terms of actual spirituality. You know, they're they're fine. They're all very well and good as far as they go, but they really have nothing to do with anything that really matters. <laughs> and on the contrary, what is essential to spirituality is largely ignored and taken for granted by normal consensus reality. Perspective, which just assumes, so what? That's just a given. Let's get to the important stuff. You know, that's about me, about my, how I feel, you know, what's going on with me, am I succeeding, am I, you know, am I this, am I that? Um, You know, and and again, all of which is essentially completely unimportant from the spiritual point of view. So, uh, to really engage with spirituality as it is, demands a certain shift of perspective, a certain a certain flexibility in being able to to loosen one's grasp on the habitual orientation <laughs> towards what one holds to be important, what one one's self-identity and one's circumstances and one's life and so on and so forth and on the contrary, to shift attention to what is actually important, what is actually vital, what is actually powerful, which is the fact of experiencing. <clears throat> now, people, of course, experiencing is a given. You've got to be experienced, and then once experience is there, what, what's, what's happening? What's, where's the action? Where's the good stuff? You know, experience is like turning the TV on. The TV has to be turned on, but then what show are you going to watch? And you don't care, you know, once the TV's on, you forget about the TV. Who cares about the TV? You know, it's all about what shows on, what movies on, you know, what's exciting, where's the juice, where's the action. But in actuality, from his point of view of spirituality, that is completely unimportant. It doesn't matter what show it is, it's all about the TV. It's all about the fact of experiencing and what experience itself did. Um, You know, this, which people generally just don't devote any attention to because it's just taken for granted. It's not interesting. There's no juice there. You can't, you know, you can't make money off it. You can't you know, get all worked up about it. It's you know, it's not particularly exciting in terms of a soap opera or or a drama or anything you can worry about or laugh at or cry about. It's just well yeah, experience. It's just here it is, here's experience. But the interesting thing, it turns out the experience is the only thing that's actual. The only thing that's here is your field of experience, your field of experiencing. Nothing else exists. Everything else is a hypothesis, essentially a fantasy, that is based upon and derived from the field of experience. When you're born into this life, um, you don't know there's a world, you don't know there's a body, you don't know there's other beings, you don't know anything, it's a continuum of experience. This this bubble of experiencing that is you, that is this, that is here. And, you know, long drawn out and painful indoctrination occurs, as we all can recall, maybe. (laughs) Or maybe the memory is merciful and we don't recall so well. Um, You know, where you learn that, oh no, you're you're you, and you're a certain gender, and this is your body, and I'm mommy, and this is daddy, and this is your life, and this is the world, and these are all things, and this is my thing, and that's your thing, and you know, all of this incredible game structure that's based upon basically designating certain differenti- differentiated qualities within the experiential field. But it's all hypothetical. It's, like, it's just like a TV show, when you watch TV, all there is, is light on a screen. There's no people there, there's no action, there's no cars, nothing moves, there's nothing happening. And yet, the imagination can effortlessly look at these patterns of light and, oh, this is a person and they're running away from that person and they're getting into a car and they're driving and it's all very exciting. There's no people there, there's no cars, there's no action, there's no movement. It's little flashes of light on a screen. That's all that's there all the rest of it is completely imaginary and hence non existent except as imagination well exactly the same state of affairs exists right here right now for you this is what your experience is your experience is a multimedia presence a field of experiential qualities that is miraculously present it is here, it's always right here, it's always right now, it has no duration, it has no extension, it's just this that is here and it's always here. And it, curiously, it presents us this incredible, infinite, vast array of experiential qualities that are, you know, um, absolutely, you can differentiate as much as you want. You can go and you can differentiate as many differences of experiential qualities as you care to look for and you can find them. But when you find these qualities, they don't resolve into being anything because you look at these qualities, you can't pin down exactly what they are and also they're absolutely unstable, so in the next instant they've already morphed into something else. So it's like being in a dream, you know, there's just this this, this incredibly information-dense presentation of all this amazing qualities that aren't really anything. Other than a presentation of quality. Very much like, you know, a hyper quality TV show that just has all of these incredible high res colors and sounds and, oh, but it, it has more than just light and sound. It has touch, touch of vision and smell of vision and, and even thought of vision. Thoughts are appearing. What's up with that? So all of these amazing experiential qualities appearing, but none of them are anything other than the experiential field. The experiential field is here and it presents as that. And none of them add to the experiential field. None of them take away from the experiential field. Here's the experiential field. It's no more full than it was yesterday than it was when you were two. It's no less full than it was yesterday than it was when you were two. It hasn't gained anything. It hasn't lost anything. It's just this experiential field that's sitting here. And But it's... Generally we're not interested in that. So yeah, so what? You know, I wanna know what's going on with my life. I wanna know, you know, what's what's up with my friends, what's up with my Facebook contacts, you know, what's up what's happening when one of the new movies out, you know, what's up with my money, what's up with my success, who's talking about me, who likes me, who doesn't like me, whatever. All these soap operas that, you know, people get so caught up in. Which exist solely in the imagination. Now because that level of events is essentially imaginary, it doesn't have the impact we think it does. It doesn't have the importance we think it does, and on the contrary, because experiential, the experiential field is actual, it does have impact, it does have importance, and it has a nature which is utterly other than the nature that we usually attribute to our circumstances and our environments um, as human beings. For example, in the experiential field, there's no time, is there? It's always, but yeah. And look, what is it now? It's right now. Isn't that amazing? And it's never then. There's no past. You can't find a past. You have to imagine the past, there's no future, you can't find a future. Because look, here it is, now. Big surprise. Has it ever been anything other than now? <laughs> you know, has it ever been anything other than here? Mm-hmm. Always here. You know? I see I see this cup, I see it here. I see all of you people here, I see you here. I see this room, I see it here. If I looked out of the window and could see the sun, I would be seeing it here, in my field of vision. In my field of experience, so the field of experience is always here. It's always now, and there's no there. You can't find it there. I can imagine New York, right? Away over there is not in my field of experience, but I'm imagining it in my field of experience. And there's no New York in my field of experience, is there? So the field of experience is always here, and there's no there. It's always now, and there's no then. Well, that's really interesting. That's really contrary to the normal human perspective, isn't it? It's radically different. Well, what would it be like if you really felt that? If you really felt that there's no time, you really felt that it's just this here, you know, it's just this now. What would that be like if you really felt that rather than sort of feeling spread out in your history and stuck in your life and stuck in all of these circumstances which we imagine? Um, So it's, there's no time, there's no space, and there's no objects. That's really interesting, there's no objects, how could that be, there's no objects? There's all of these experiential characteristics, and we're used to slicing and dicing and grouping them into objects, right? So you know, that's a chair, and that's a bottle, and this is a rug, and the rug is a rug, and the chair is a chair, and the chair is not a rug, and the rug is not a chair. And yet, if I go looking at the reality of my experience, what I find is absolutely unique presence of experiential qualities wherever I look. And within objects, outside of objects, no difference. So if I look at what we can call that chair, every single portion I look at is completely unique and different from every other portion I could look at. And the rug is different, but The chair is as different from itself as the chair is different from the rug. And every portion of the rug is different from every other portion of the rug. So there's an absolute degree of difference within any field of experience, within any, you know, which we we ordinarily differentiate as objects. We can say that's a chair, because I can sum up the qualities sufficiently to say, well it's grey and it has fabric and it has rubber feet and Anything that's not grey and doesn't have fabric and doesn't have rubber feet is not the chair. And that for working purposes that's fine, but it's all imaginary. Because in terms of experience, the the degree of qualitativeness, the degree of uniqueness at every point, of every portion of this experience, smears into the continuum of the degree of uniqueness of all experience. So if you look at your visual field, Every single portion, every single pixel is completely different from every other pixel. Mm. Right? Every, no matter how close they are to each other. And, and yet, we can sort, we sort of draw circles around and we say, well, these, you know, th- this arbitrary set of pixels spatially is similar enough that I'm going to say that's all a door. And then the other pixels are similar enough and different enough from that that I'm going to say, well, it's wall, wall, paint on the wall. But that's, that's done in, in imagination, because the actuality is absolute differentiation, where every single pixel is different from every other pixel. And there are no <coughs> pixels. You go looking at any pixel and it itself breaks up into infinite pixels, all of which are different from each other. And you're looking closer and you find more difference. Or you zoom back, you know, and it, and it all sort of collapses, but it's still you just find difference, 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 difference. And these nice, these nice, neat lines that are drawn around objects that are clearly different from each other can't be found in the way experience is actually organized. You know, but, but, of course, if we can effortlessly, you know, the intelligence can effortlessly look at the field of experience and abstract these objects, you know, a you know, well, you know, room full of people and a chair you know, and a cup and a person talking and blah blah blah. But in, in saying that and describing it that way, I haven't actually created it anything. And the only actuality that's here is the continuum of the field of experience, which cannot and parts of that of the of the continuum cannot actually separate separated out. I can't take this chair and lift it out of my field of vision and say, Well, here's my vision and here's the chair. The chair comes with. So, when I talk about the chair, I'm actually talking about my field of vision. Because there's no way that it's separable. There's no way that there's an actual differentiation there. It's like, it's like you can imagine, you know, what you might have dreamed about last night. So you could remember your dream last night, and there were some people in it and some things and whatever. There were no people, there were no things. All there was there is dreaming that looked as if it was people and things, but you can't find any, you can't take the people out of the dream and talk to them because all that was there was dream there were no people all that was there was dream there were no objects there was no circumstance nothing really happened it just looked as if it was and exactly the same thing is happening here now in a way that's kind of obvious and common sense and so what Um, but in another way and this is the, the, the powerful aspect of this, this is what's real. What's really here is this one bubble of your experiential field that is what it is and is the way it is, and nothing else exists. Okay, here's a really interesting thing to look at. You are the sole inhabitant of your experiential field. You alone exist as far as you can tell. There's no one seeing your experience than you. There's no one else there. Now you see all these other, you know, bodies out here, and you can easily imagine that, well, they you know, you're probably like me, you know, I I'm seeing my experience, so I can imagine you're probably seeing your experience, right? And you're probably seeing your experience. But I can't know it. I can imagine it, I can hypothesize, I can suppose, I can even act as if it's true, but I can't know it. It's it's a leap. It's a it's a it's a it's a it's a possibility that, that one can play with. All I can know is that I alone exist. Just like in a dream. When you're dreaming, you're the only one there. There's no one else there. And yet there can be all of these people and in intense interactions and all this stuff going on. But there's no one there to do. It just can look like that. Now, exactly the same thing's going on here. That's kind of interesting if you think about it. What's that feel like? So you alone exist, this bubble of your experience is all you, it's all yours, and there's nothing there but your experience, and there's no separate objects and no separate beings. What's that, what would that feel like? It's true. It's, I mean, look at, try and disprove it. Try and find some alternative to that, you know. Do the math, really look very closely at this, feel what that feels like, and, you know, what's that like? What, what, what's the implications of that? It's a pretty different, it's a pretty profoundly different um, perspective than the normal human mindset where, you know, I'm this this little, you know, semi-evolved, half-functional, half Primate in this little aging body that's not doesn't have many more years on this earth, and I'm in this vast environment of all sorts of other shit, which is not me, and which I'm completely, completely at the mercy of and powerless to do anything about. And I'm stuck in history, you know, five billion years or what, trillion whatever, from the Big Bang to God knows what. And there's also there's all this huge stuff out there, and I'm this little bitty Running around this little speck of dust planet, you know, try not to get squished or eaten until I, you know, die horribly of some, some <laughs> disease or, or you know tragedy, some you know revolution or bomb or whatever. And if you versus, I alone exist. This is the totality of reality. It is all me. It has. It exists eternally. It exists, it is beyond space and time. Space and time exist in it. So here's space, right? I mean you can all see this is space. You close your eyes, where's the space go? Well it's still there. It's the sun is not seeing it. You know. Really? How about the, when you dream last night? Suppose you dreamed last night and you dreamed you were in, you were somewhere, something was happening. Maybe it's possible to dream that you're on the lip of the Grand Canyon looking at this huge canyon. You go, whoa, this is incredible. I'm scared to be near the edge. And then you wake up and you go, there was no space there. It was a dream. Where's the space? Where was the Grand Canyon? How much space was there in the dream? Where was the space being put? So, experience is beyond space. Space appears because of experiencing, not the other way around time, it's always now time appears because of experience not the other way around entities appear because of experiencing or within experiencing not the other way around and this soul actuality this is not not a concept this is real, right, this is real here, whatever this is right, it's actual it's present, right, you feel the presence of this, the actual actuality of this That's it. That's the whole shooting match. This presence, this actuality, that looks however it looks, but is just exactly this, right here, right now, always. It doesn't have a past. It doesn't have a future. It doesn't have a it doesn't have a beginning. It doesn't have an end. Beginnings and endings continue to appear in it, but this itself doesn't begin. This itself doesn't end. It's kind of a different perspective. It's kind of a different implication, isn't it? Mm-mm. Our situation is very interesting because... as human beings, as modern human beings in this society, we live in, within two worlds. And typically we don't know it, typically we aren't aware of it. Um, We have the one world that we've been educated and indoctrinated into, where there's history and geopolitics and global warming and languages and um, racial types and um, um, our lives and our successes and failures and all of these other... um, Qualifications where there's space, there's time, there's causality, there's the laws of physics. Basically, in short, the whole um, immense conceptual structure of um, consensus human reality, which we're all effortlessly, more or less expert in because we've been indoctrinated and immersed in this all of our lives. Of course, please let me know if I'm if I'm not speaking loud enough. I don't know what the acoustics are like. Um, and simultaneously, um, perhaps less or more unbeknownst <laughs> to most people, um, we live in another world, which is the actual world that this consists of. It's the objective world. the The consensus reality, in the human world, is entirely subjective. It exists in our imaginations. It's a conceptual construct that um, we more or less have been indoctrinated into and we use it as a map, as if we're walking around with this map, looking at everything through the map, so we're, you know, we're finding our place on the map and we're keeping track of where we are, effortlessly and in, in, in spontaneously, in real time. <clears throat> but the real world is quite a different world. Um, the real world is the world of experience. Um, experience, the nature of experience deviates in every way from the consensus reality <coughs> model of the world. Um, and typically this is unrecognized, um, uh, you know, statistically, let's say, um, simply because we aren't, the information that that is the case is not generally out there, or, or, and if it is out there, it's not out there in a very clear and coherent um, manner. It's very confusing because the nature of our actual situation, the nature of experience deviates so fundamentally from the the world as we hold it to be, the world as we have been educated that it is, um, that there's an enormous disjunction there which is um, felt as confusion, it is felt as um, disorientation. It is felt as dissatisfaction. It is felt as all sorts of qualities. Um, we're all very familiar with the consensus reality model of the world. Um, so, what it, what qualities does the actual world? What qualities does the objective condition, the actual condition, have consist of? Um, these qualities are very peculiar. Um, First of all, it has the quality of actuality, Um, or you can can sum it up experientially, less abstractly, as presence. This is present. That it is present is completely obvious and intuitive and self-verifying, and yet when you go try and pin down exactly what this presence is, All of a sudden, it becomes rather strange and elusive, which illustrates the second um, and primary quality. I mean, calling it a second is completely arbitrary. Illustrates another primary quality of this actuality is that it is unresolvable. Even though it is completely actual, even though it is completely specific, it is in every way unresolvable. You cannot it presents as, uh, obviously, a plethora of conditions, a plethora of experiential qualities, and yet when you go looking for any of these qualities, you cannot pin them down precisely. The qualities are very slippery, they, they morph continuously into variations on themselves. And, and, and um, uh, One way to put it is, when you go looking into anything, rather than converging on an essential central nature on the contrary what you find your experientially diverges and keeps splitting off and keeps spitting off and keeps spitting off With the result if you go looking for anything to try and pin down what it is You end up essentially with nothing which is a very strange condition. It's very counterintuitive Because according to you know sort of scientific logic or whatever You might think well the closer you look at something the more precisely you understand what it is and in a way that's true, the closer you look you, at this, the more precisely you understand what it is, but what it turns out to be is not something that <clears throat> that collapses ultimately into a coherence, but on the contrary, continually diverges and unfolds into um, into incoherence, into um, openness. This is a condition, of course, that Buddhists call emptiness, um, and it's one of the... In, in terms particularly of investigating this condition that is actual here, this quality is um, one of the most powerful for uh, deconstructing and disentangling oneself from the consensus um, reality-human framework the conceptual framework. <coughs> um, Another quality that this actuality has is instantaneousness. It has no duration. It has you know it has a, a very strange kind of a temporality, uh, and yet it has no duration, it has no past it has no future. It's always right here right now. And of course, this is very obvious. your experience is always right here right now. it always has been right. Um, but of course you know, as humans we're all very familiar with having this projected sense of well there's the past and there's the history and there's all these things that happened and now is this moment which embodies a, you know, a, 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 an instant in this ongoing amazing cascade of events and is moving forward into more amazing cascade of events of the, of the future which is you know a delightful conception but when you go try and find the, an actuality that corresponds to that it is not actually findable All that can be found is this that is here now. And, of course, it's even more slippery than that in in correspondence with the the principle that I was just talking about of unresolvability. So if this is here now, that's fine, but you go looking for here, try and pin it down, you go looking for now and try and pin it down, you can't actually find anything, which is a very, very strange result. It's quite obvious that this is here now. You know, I mean, it's just, it's completely palpably obvious, it's self-verifying, and yet try and find what exactly is this now? When is this now? What, how long does it last? What what, is, what would that even mean? And you'll you'll be you'll feel like you're wandering into a dream. You, you won't you won't find anything, and yet it doesn't go away. It's always now. It's always right here, and you, you can't find an actual here and find an actual now that you can pin down, that you can get a hold of, that you can define, that you can own, um, which is its peculiar. It's, it's quite contrary, again, to the, the kind of a, of a inherent logic of, of our normal human cons- conceptual framework, where things are what they are, and they are that, and they're sitting there being that, and that's all, and you look at it and that's what you find. And, and so we find this actuality of now and here is probably and obviously self-verifyingly um, the case, and yet it, it's unresolvable. You can't actually find it. Um, another interesting aspect of this actuality, this actual condition, is that um, <coughs> Uh, it has no parts, it has no pieces, it has no components. It's essentially a continuum. You know, um, if you look at the experiential field, it doesn't show up in chunks. I mean, we're used to slicing it in chunks, conceptually as humans. You know, these are objects, and this is a chair, and this is a floor, and so on and so forth. But if you go looking at your actual experience, you'll notice it's not actually in chunks. It's actually in, in a field. The visual field as a whole, it, it appears as, a, as essentially a unity. And if you close the eyes, it all disappears instantly. It's not like it disappears in pieces at a time, you know, where you disappear and you disappear. it's No, it just shuts down and it all opens up. And it is always like that. Nothing within the visual field can be taken out of the visual field and, out, you know, have and, and still exist as something over here outside the visual field. It, it only exists within the context of the field. And this is just talking in terms of the visual field, but of course in terms of sensory experience, there's the other sense fields, um, as well as various other experiential modes that we don't classify as sense fields. Um, you know, again, since we don't classify them, we can't really talk about it because we don't have words for it. But experience um, is palpably very um, subtle and, varied and, and presents as all sorts of um, textual qualities and so on that are clearly not falling readily within a classification of a sense field and so on and so forth. <coughs> um, <clears throat> Another condition that that this actuality uh, um, seems to um, occur as is Um, a complete uh, uh, slipperiness, no condition is any way for any duration. Every condition, whatever it's presenting as an experiential quality, is instantaneously, in the instant of its presentation, already something else. This continual morphing, which we all experience as, you know, the flow of time, the flow of experience. Um, And yet, if you look very closely at this, you discover how, how absolutely ubiquitous how powerful how powerfully across the board this um, condition is so if you you watch your experiences you're continually experiencing newness, you're continually experiencing experiential configurations, none of which you've ever experienced precisely before and they're already gone never to re-repeat it moving ever into newness ever into newness, ever into newness and you know of course again from the conventional human point of view we're used to kind of dampening that down by the concept of, no, I've been in this room before and it looks different, but it's pretty much the same. You know, I've seen, I've seen most of you before, and you look different, but you're pretty much the same. But pretty much the same is a euphemism for entirely different. Because experience is not made of generalities, it's made of specifics. You're experiencing exactly what you're experiencing at this moment, every every precise detail. Um, you're not experiencing generalities of, well, this room, they're pretty much the same room. The actual details of exactly, you know, the shades of color you're seeing, the shades of light, the pattern, you know, the angle of the sun, your mood, you know, how your head is tilted, whatever, right? I mean, however if you want to qualify it. If you look very closely at the specifics of your experience, um, you never experience anything that you're experiencing right now. And again, I'm, I'm tending to sort of talk about the visual field here, uh, you know, just for convenience, but but this applies across the board. So, experience is this continual uniqueness, a continual absolute freshness, absolute, um, uh, uh, um, well, uniqueness um, that you've never experienced before, you'll never experience it again, and it's already gone. I mean, this is part of the, the strangeness, the weirdness of the present moment, it has no duration. So experientially, whatever qualities you're experiencing now, in the experiencing there already is something else. I mean, you can't wrap your head around that, it makes absolutely no sense. But And yet, if you look closely, you'll notice that this is in fact the case, um, which is, of, you know, it's a very strange, it's a very strange notion. So we, we live in this actuality that is continually slipping away replaced by an actuality that's continually slipping away, you know, it's almost like a cartoon where, you know, the cartoon character's walking along and the ground's appearing and disappearing as they're walking, you know, kind of thing. Or well, a dream, you know, we're all very familiar with dreams. Um, You know, dreaming is a a kind of a nice um, quality of experience because uh, it's a quality of experience that we can look at from outside. Within a dream it can seem to be very palpable and very actual and very concrete perhaps. And yet you wake up and you look back on the dream, you see, it was a dream. There was nothing there. There was no one there. There were no beings there. There were no circumstances there. There was no not even any space and time there. And yet it appeared as if there was. It appeared as if I was there. It appeared as if I had a body perhaps and was running around doing things or whatever was going on. And not and yet none of that was actual. And yet, it looked like it was. It looked like it had duration, and it had no duration. It looks like it may have had a, you know, self-generating backstory, and there was there was nothing to come. It's all sort of bootstrapped up out of nothing, into a seeming coherence and a seeming consistency, but there's nothing there. And strangely enough, at least from the consensus reality viewpoint, if you look very closely at waking experience, it's exactly the same. <clears throat> Now, uh, some aspects of these, uh, of these kinds of qualities, you know, and sort of try and talk about this and talking about aspects or qualities that this seems to present in, um, it's a mistake again to think of these qualities as actually existing as with any kind of discreteness. It's rather like if you tried to describe water and you say, well, water, water flows, water wets the fingers, water is translucent, water is reflective. You know, yet if you are looking at the reflect reflexivity or wetting the fingers or flowing, all you find is water when you look at it. So it's being described in terms of these various parameters, but the parameters don't actually have any independent existence. They're just sort of aspects of the thing itself, arguably, and yet you can't actually find them. And yet they're, again, they are evident. So again, looking at all of these, these. Rather peculiar qualities of this actuality, um, we find similar circumstances. So you can talk about unresolvability, You can talk about actuality. You can talk about this, you know, this absolute continual slipping away or uniqueness of of specifics, and yet you, you know you can't. These don't actually exist as discrete categories or discrete qualities, and yet they are evident. Um, Arguably, in the nature of what this is. Um, Another very interesting thing about this actuality is you're the sole inhabitant of it. Which is quite contrary to normal human understanding. You're the only person seeing your experience. You're the only one home. Everything else is just an apparition. You know, essentially a, a, a theory, a conclusion. I can imagine that you all actually exist in the way that I do and you're actually seeing your experience in the way that I do, but that's not part of my experience. The only experiencer I experience is this experiencer. And everything else is an apparition within this experience's experience is experienced. And that's absolutely true, it's findable. It's you know, I, uh, certainly I can hypothesize you all of this, and you may. Well, I'm not saying you don't, <laughs> but I can't know. So, I mean, you know, I mean, again, you can think of a dream. You can have all sorts of very intense and and and, and detailed interactions with people in dreams, and you wake up and you, there was no one there. It seemed as if there was, and that doesn't negate the meaningfulness. This is another. Okay, this this is a whole. We're moving into a new category. let me, let me yeah, switch gears here. <laughs> but um, that this is a particularly interesting one because it's so contrary to the way we're used to feeling, is you are, you're it you're who's home, you're the inhabitant of your entire universe and no one else is actually in there with you um, <coughs> what was I moving into? meaning oh, yeah, thank you um the, the another aspect of this is, it it presents with an astounding profundity of meaningfulness of of of, of intelligence. So they call it intelligent structural. Well, intelligent structural meaningfulness is maybe a good way to put it. There's all these and all these amazing patterns. They're not just neutral mechanical blobs. It's all, all these patterns have a profundity and have a have flavor have have um, um, a a content um, above and beyond simple mechanical presence, um, in any simple sense. You know, you can have really meaningful interactions with, like think of a dream, When when you wake up and you know there's no one there, you can have really profoundly meaningful interactions with people or situations and dreams, right? And the meaningfulness isn't negated by the fact that there's no one there. Because the meaningfulness isn't is, an, is a being enacted virtually, you might say, by the patterns and the, and the development of the patterns that seem to present themselves within the experience. Um, and so, this meaningfulness is general, is 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 actual. It's 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 findable. It's you can find it anywhere you look. You know, you look at a sunset. It has it has this amazing quality. You know, you look at at, at, at people. You know, you or look at have uh, intimate relations with people or. Or not so intimate relations with people, and there's all these flavors and meaningfulnesses and and qualities that are that are being embodied in situations, um, sort of as a as an inherent flavorful subtext or something. I mean, that's an absurd way to put it, but I mean, this this is ju- experience is juicy with with meaningfulness. It's juicy with with um, value. Um, and this is actual. And and that in spite of the fact that you're the only one there. As in a dream. A dream can be really meaningful and juicy and profound. And you wake up and oh, there was no one there but me. So it's in the nature of this to be that. It's in the nature of this to show up like that and to work like that. Let me see if there's some other qualities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, another quality of this actuality is it alone exists. There's just this that is, and there's nothing else. You know, the totality of reality is this that is here. Nothing can be found beyond it. Nothing can be found outside it. Mm-hmm. So, um, well anyway, we'll probably stumble on a few other qualities we can argue, argue into existence in the course of, of, uh, of the day. Um, now you'll notice the, the, rather, the, the rather extreme contrast between normal consensus human reality, where you're, 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 you're an accidental byproduct of electrochemistry within the central nervous system occurring within a body that accidentally exists because of a lot of chemical processes that have evolved or by evolution mechanically, you know, out of the primordial soup um, due to the Big Bang, you know, X billion years ago. And so this enormous mechanism of the laws of physics has been churning along creating these elaborate structures in matter and, and they get to a certain point and accidentally some alignment of, of, of chemics, chemistry with DNA and all that and there's some spark of sentience that sort of shows up as a byproduct and so you're this tiny little precarious spark that's completely dependent upon this meat machine which is continually falling apart and <laughs> ultimately doomed <laughs> that has been mechanically produced accidentally by, you know, these, this this churning out of this enormous mechanical machinery of... Of, of material reality you know and you're, you're one little your body is one tiny body among billions in, in this vast system that you have no control of and essentially nothing to do with so you're basically a victim of it you're, you're, you know, you're, you're at its mercy and um, uh, you're basically pretty screwed <laughs> in terms of being empowered or having a, a position of authority or, or, or being anything other than, you know, God is lucky that I haven't been hit by a car yet. <laughs> okay, great, it's lucky I haven't been hit by a car maybe. But contrast that perspective, the disempowerment of that perspective, which exists solely in imagination because none of those qualities can actually be found. And if you, if you take the time to look at what can actually be found, you find this instantaneously present actuality of your experiential field that you're the sole inhabitant of, that has absolutely no stable condition, that has absolutely no duration, that has no findable causality, Um, and it's rather a different implication, (laughs) needless to say. It's rather a different flavor. It's a very different feeling tone. Um, And yet, that is the only findable condition, All of this human narration cannot be found except as abstractions, except as argument, except as semantic constructs. The past has never been found. Time has never been found. Time is argued into existence. Um, Causality is argued into existence. Um, Objectivity is argued into existence. Okay, here's another thing, it's another quality we didn't really talk about that. There is no subjectivity and there is no objectivity. There's just this. And of course we're very used to polarizing this as consisting of subjectivity and objectivity. Well, there's all of these qualities appearing as objects and then there's some subject that's seeing it all. But if you look closely, you'll discover none of that is findable. That's argued into existence by an implicit logic, largely the structure of language with subjects and nouns and verbs, subjects and objects and sentences. But if you look at the actual condition, you just find a continuum. You just find this that is here. You don't find any observer. You don't find any observed. Or you could say you find nothing but observed. <laughs> and so again, the, the sort of knee-jerk reaction of, oh no, there's an objective world and I'm and there's me and, and the objective world is not me and not me. you know. When you look, you just find this that is here. And it includes all of that. It includes all of those, you know, arguable components, and none of those components are actually findable. You don't find an object, you don't find a subject, you just find this experiential field. So the presence of the experiential field um, without objectivity, without subjectivity, is is simply you know palpably obvious. <clears throat> I don't remember how we got here. Yeah. Now, um, another aspect of this is it is completely. Let's let me throw a few ideas at this, which may sound different, but they're actually the same thing. It's completely miraculous. It's completely confusing. It's completely um, uh, incoherent. It's completely structureless. Because if you look at what this is, you, you know, your intelligence, we have this powerful intelligence, can instantaneously generate all sorts of rationale about structure and context and all of that. But if you look at what's actually here, it's a mystery. How do I get here? What is this stuff here? How, what's it doing here? What am I doing here? You know, and I can remember, oh no, this is a talk I'm supposed to be talking, I'm supposed <laughs> to come up with something coherent, blah, blah, blah. Right? And yet, if I look at the actuality, it's just—it's a—it's a big question mark. It always has been. I mean, you know, when you're first born, you're, you're first—you know, your first second in the in the in the in the non-uterine world is—is is what? It's a big question mark. You like, wow, what the fuck is all this? <laughs> What's going on here? You know, <laughs> and that question has never been answered. You know. We, we're, over the course of years we're given all sorts of information that is, so, pretends to be answers to that question and, and it interlocked with other information that, that pretends to be part of that structure of that answer but it's all bootstrapped up out of assertion it's all bootstrapped up out <coughs> of argument and when you go looking at the raw actuality of the experiential field which of course is what you had when you were one second old and it's what you have right now, (laughs) Um, you don't find any of that. None of that is actually verifiable, none of that is actually um, uh, establishable Um, because of this very slippery um, nature of uh, this actuality that that happens to obtain. Now, paradoxically, of course, we're all very, very familiar with this. We all know this very intimately. We've never experienced, we're all experts on instantaneity. We're all experts on the fact that conditions are continually slipping away and have no persistence. We're all experts on the fact that there's not really any past and not really any future. And it's astounding that in the face of that obviousness, we can still so powerfully hold. The, 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 the consensus reality, of human world view which is so contrary to that actuality you know, it's really, it's really peculiar um, which, which is we're getting a little ahead of ourselves but this gets into the um, um, the nature of the way that let's call it I'm, and again I'm, I'm just using words here inaccurately nature of the way that consciousness is with the experiential field, in terms of different, um, call it posturing[s] or different, different um, positionings, um, which is essentially a hypnotic mechanism. Consciousness seems to have this um, astoundingly flexible ability to to be with the actuality of its experience as if it was various ways that it supplies as ways, and this becomes a sort of a a self-verifying reality, just bootstrapped up out of nothing hypnotically. And this is essentially the way um, the consensus reality perspective is held as an actuality. Because, of course, it's not conceptual, it's not argument, it's, it's a felt sense, you know. You feel like, no, I'm in this body. You feel like, no, I'm in this world and the world has time and the world is not You know, these are, there's a sort of a palpable sense of that which is basically created by hypnosis because these are essentially abstractions but they become experientially concrete through essentially the power of suggestion. Mm-hmm. You know, we've all, we're, we're all victims of brainwashing, pure and simple, which, which is the bad news but it's also the good news. Because because this brainwashing, because this hypnotic mechanism exists, it's possible to exploit it to renegotiate the terms of your engagement with your experience. It's possible to exploit it to be with your experience in relatively novel ways, um, relative to your, let's say, your normal default mode, your normal default orientation. Um, and in this context, you discover firsthand, you discover experientially, how arbitrary it all is! How 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 easy it is, and how how palpable it is to be with experience in drastically different orientations than the consensus reality one. At which point, or let's say, gradually over time, in the course of, of experiments like this, the um, the seemingly um, palpable locked-in orientation uh, towards your habitual. Default mode can get conducive enough, can get a little shaky, and you will be able to 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 um, engage more fully in your birthright of your actual nature of the Lord of all you survey of the the sole inhabitant of your universe, um, all of which is you, um, all of which is for you to enjoy, and um, from which there is no. Oh, that's another. That's another. Quality, a rather delightful quality. <clears throat> what this is, is not dependent on what it looks like. That's really kind of, a, you know, if you look at it, that's a very powerful fact. So, in other words, you can't be hurt by anything that actually appears, nor can you gain by anything that happens to appear. Um, but that's not a problem because you're everything anyway. So what's there to gain? <laughs> um, uh, you know, we ordinarily feel like we're really at the mercy... I mean, I, I'm speculating here, let's just say, in terms of consensus reality, human perspective, one may ordinarily feel like you're really at the mercy of your circumstances and if certain things happen, it'll just be horrible and you'll lose everything or you'll, you know, you'll, you'll die or you'll this or you'll that and it would be just like the worst catastrophe. And all of that is pure fantasy. Because what you actually are, this actuality, is, is not dependent upon what it looks like. Rather like a TV is not dependent upon the program that's showing on the screen. So you can show bombs exploding on the screen and the TV doesn't blow up. You can show fires on the screen and the TV doesn't burn up. Or on a movie set. Or you can dream. You can dream about fires and bombs and nothing is burned and nothing blows up. And the fires and bombs that you see in the waking world—where do they go when you go to sleep? They're, they may as well never have happened, right? They're just—they're just not there. They're not in that dimension. And so, this is rather uh, uh, again uh, a nice aspect of this nature that you that you get to ex- more explicitly enjoy and participate in um, as. You begin to sort of recalibrate your orientation to this to what it actually is away from what you may be in the habit of erroneously holding it to be the basic principle is that things are more than you think they are, and so letting yourself be with your experience and in ways uh, in ways that that are the way you think they are but are more than that um, will enable you to. Um, be more fully what you are and ultimately inhabit the full the full dimensionality that you actually consist of. Um, we, we tend to, to obsess about and have our, our, our unconscious idea of what we are and what's going on and so on and so forth, our version of things, our version of what our scene is, what our life is, what, what we are. Um, which is all very well and good, but because we obsess about that and put so much energy into that, we basically blind ourselves to noticing that there may be more than that. Not that that's necessarily untrue in any heavy-handed sense, but that there may be more that just doesn't fit within those categories and that there may be beneficial and, and valuable and empowering to allow yourself to notice these things and then you have access to participating in these other Modes that you already have access to, that you already are, that this already is, um, and um, that's what this spirituality stuff's all about. <laughs> if anything. <laughs> so, the good news is everything is already present right here, right now. You already have everything. You already are everything that you can ever be, right now. Not in the sense of, not in the sense of you know um, uh, taking account of what you own or things like that, but in terms of all of the modes that you can function within, that you can engage with. You know, physical, mental, emotional, subtle energy, vibes. I mean, all kinds of stuff. Um, you're already. Fully in that, you're already fully engaged in the full field of what you actually are. Now, typically, we acknowledge and 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 um, think about and talk about a very small proportion of this because you know it's all the, as we talked about yesterday, written, and all the brainwashing we've all been subjected to about you know the sort of materialistic version of what you are, and what's going on here. But if you if you sort of can can, can just let all that go. You don't need really to stop it or kill it or, or fight it. Just, just just relax with that, and let yourself feel the presence of your experience. Um, you're sure to notice certain qualities or flavors that don't fit within your you normal know categories. Something's going on there, and then this is just the point: just by feeling the full field of your experience, you will discover sort of flavors or frequencies or vibes or whatever. That don't fit in your your worldview. Your, your worldview that don't fit fit within anything you can talk with anyone about, because because they're not. We they don't have categories for this kind of stuff, and yet it's immediately self-evident, immediately obvious um, if you look within your experiential field, and you will come to notice these other other aspects, other subtle subtleties, or what have you. Maybe not so subtleties in some cases. Um, now experiencing is a non-rational event it's a non-rational actuality it's a non-rational functionality it makes no sense you can't really say what you're doing you can't really say how you're doing it but here you are so obviously it doesn't have to make sense um so, as such, um, the best way to approach being with your experiential field, being with the full range of what is present, is by feeling it. And don't worry about what feeling is. I don't mean feeling it like, you know, now I'm feeling it now, I'm not. I mean, just, just feel, feeling the texture of experience. You know, pretend your experience is a textural presence and feel what that texture is. And again, you'll notice a range of textures. You'll notice a spectrum of all kinds of textures, coarse and subtle and some sort of slow and some very, very fast and all kinds of different flavors and different modes of motion and different apparent degrees of structurality. And I mean, things you can't even categorize. But just just by feeling the texture of this, and you'll notice that concurrently there's all these different frequencies and different... Textures going on at the same time that don't have anything to do with each other They don't get in the way of each other, but they don't make sense in terms of each other either. They're just here They're just flavors of experience You know, there's some very obvious ones that we're all very familiar with, you know, you're familiar with the The, the, the sort of textural feeling of, of physical touch if you, you can feel your your body the presence of your body your butt on the chair you know, if you're touching, if your hands are touching each other, you, you can feel the, the feeling of the skin, you can feel the temperature and all of that. We're all very familiar with this texture. And simultaneously, there's the presence of thought. Now, what texture does thought have? Thought is a very different texture than the texture of your, you know, you can, you can deliberately do something contrived like, you know, just rub your hands together or, or feel your skin and just feel the the, 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 what that energy is like what that texture is like and at the same time you'll be thinking there's, there'll be some degree of thought present whether you're actively thinking or, or relatively quiescent there's always energy present in the thought spectrum let's call it, or the thought bandwidth thought frequency and you can feel what that texture is like and they're very different textures but they're actually not very different events, they're both a kind of a, a tingling, sparkling you know, if you feel what touch really is, it's kind of a, it's kind of a tingling, you know, even like, so my butt's on the chair and it's kind of constant, and yet if I go to what it's really like in the moment, it's dynamic, it's sort of, it's sort of moving, it's almost like a note or a, or a, a sound or something, it's sort of vibrating in a, in a, in a way, you know, and this becomes very obvious, you know, um, with more sort of, you know, you, 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 you puck yourself or pinch yourself, and it's like a little flare of light or something, which is sort of a little high vibration. You can sort of feel the texture of the energy that, that constitutes that that sort of bandwidth of, of experiential energy, let's call it, or whatever. Right? And, then, and then, at the same time, it's thought-present. What's, what's the texture of that bandwidth? It's interesting, isn't it? It's very much more subtle more sort of delicate, it's almost like northern light system, I mean, who knows what it is, you can look for yourself. But it's it has an actuality, it actually has a quality. When you're thinking, you know you're thinking because something is present. Just like when you're seeing, you know you're seeing because light is present and you can recognize the texture of light. So thought is actually an object, let's say, or it's an objective quality within experience. It's a certain flavor of texture. And when you feel that present, you know you're thinking. And you you intuitively recognize it because you're familiar with that sort of texture. You can tell the difference between a thought and something you're seeing because light has a very different texture experientially than thought does. And you can tell the difference between seeing and feeling because seeing light has a very different texture than feeling and sensation of touch. The same, of course, with hearing, right? I mean, all the, the normal categories of of sense experience, you know, the the five senses in mind, and then then there's other there's other you know bandwidth of sensation. There's sort of these very subtle vibes or something. They're not it's not exactly thought. It's something else. It's just very very subtle, very delicate, very sort of high frequency. It's present and it's it's a, it's a, it's a very strange kind of a Ghostly presence because it's not very heavy-handed and it doesn't form sort of big shapes like we get in our field of vision. Um, It's sort of this, you know, ghostly little flavors and wisps and buzzes and you know who knows what. You can't really talk about it. But if you look, of course, you'll 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 find it's very familiar that there is actually experiential event outside of the five senses and thought. There's more there. Like if you just look at, in fact, let's do. Would you like to do a little experiment? Let's do a little experiment. So, um, here's your field of vision floating. Just sort of taking. Let's take an inventory of your experiential field. So here's the bubble of your experience, right? Everything you're experiencing is within this bubble. There's nothing else that exists, right? This is just empirical obviousness. So here's your field of vision floating here, right? This sort of sideways rough ovoid and in, 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 you're very familiar, it's got all this light and colors and shapes appearing in, in light and you go to the edges of the field of vision and it gets kind of grayish and a little fuzzy and a little sort of, I don't know what, little little loser definition. But it doesn't really have a sharp edge, does it? But at some point it, it stops. At some point you can go beyond it and, and it's not the field of vision anymore. So the field of vision is kind of bounded in terms of it, this is sort of the area it takes up in your, in your experience right and then so this field of vision is always here it's just sitting here right this big sort of sideways oval this back sitting front and center right now you're hearing at the same time where's the hearing happening it doesn't get in the way of the field of vision does it it's like it happens in its own sort of space um, and, you, and you can't it's not a simple spatiality where the field of vision is here and you go back three inches and in there's where you hear. It's not like that. It's not a simple structurality. But right now you're hearing, right? And you're seeing. And they aren't getting in each other's way. They happen like in their own bandwidth. And they have a... Notice the texture of light. Light has a very fine, very sort of a high frequency, almost crystalline um, te- vibration or, or texture to it. Right? Just, and don't worry about qualifying it or classifying Just feel it. Feel what, what it, the dynamism of, of light. And at the same time, look at the texture of sound. Sound has a very different texture, doesn't it? It's a little thicker. It's a little slower, maybe. A little more opaque or something. Maybe not opaque. That might not be a good word. But just, just compare the texture of sound. You know, the actuality of your experience, the texture of sound, feel what that feels like, and then feel what light feels like. And look at how you can I instantly, intuitively tell the difference between light and sound because it has a different texture. So, and they they don't get in the way of each other. They coexist in their own bandwidth or something, their own dimension, who knows (coughs) what. And then, look at your touch. You feel your body, you feel the temperature of the air, you feel your butt on the chair, you feel your feet on the floor, whatever, whatever whatever actual field of sensation you're feeling, it's kind of a Roughly body shaped, or some weird sort of a shaped field of sort of tingles. Feel the texture of, of what touch feels like, and then feel the. Compare the texture of touch to the texture of sound. The texture of touch to the texture of sound. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? They're both sort of the same thing, but they're different too. They have a different texture, they have a different. Um, sort of a flavor to them, don't they? And they don't get in each other's way, do they? The feel of touch is sort of a, a little bubble of its own, of these tingles, this sort of body-shaped tingles that are just sort of, you know, tingling there, right? And then sound is happening at the same time and they sort of coexist. They're, it's looks like they're missing each other. They don't, they don't actually hear you in each other's way, they're kind of missing each other, but they, but they, don't, but they, they coexist. And thought's happening too, isn't it? So the you know, that, that fine, delicate texture of thought is present, texture of light is present, different sort of bandwidth, different texture, texture of touch is present. And smell and taste are very obvious. In my case they're not very strong because I was a smoker when I was a kid and I had throat cancer which completely bollocks up my sense of taste. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we can skip over those. If you have a if you have a good sense of smell and taste, you can spend some time in with those textures. But again, you'll discover the same thing. These these textural flavors exist kind of in their own they don't get in each other's way. They coexist in their own little space, their own little dimension or whatever. And they they're all textural variations on basically the same thing. Basically a kind of a real time tingling a real-time sparkler. I mean, again, we can't put language on what this is, but but this is... This texture is felt. The texture of light is felt. The texture of sound is felt. The texture of thought is felt. And this is how we know the difference between them. <coughs> now, find another texture. Find something that's not in any of those groupings of thought or the five senses. Maybe something really really fine, really delicate, maybe it's... Is the impression different than a thought? No, 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 no. We're talking about feeling feeling a texture, find a texture. Try and look, 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 what does it feel like um, eight feet above your head? What's it feel like? Just pretend you can feel what it feels like eight feet above your head and feel what it feels like. Just feel it. you know, what's it like there? What texture is it you know? And whatever you feel there, your, your, feel, your field of vision is still present. Even if your eyes are closed, your field of vision is full. It's just full of all these delicate sort of gray sparkles or patterns or whatever, right? But it's, but it's, never, it's never not full. Even if you're in a quiet room, your field of hearing is full. It's just full of different volume, different frequencies, but it's always full. Every, every sense field is always a fullness. It's never, there's never more or less present. Notice that. If you close your eyes, it's still, it's still the field of vision is still sitting there, it's still full. It's just full of these very delicate sort of little little flickers and little vague patterns and cloudy shapes and whatever, and then you open your eyes and all of a sudden there's all these colors and shapes, but it's not any fuller. It's not, it's not that there's more present, it's just a different sort of a texture, a different sort of an amplitude or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can play with this just feel all, all of the sense fields at once you know. and your attention will naturally drift and sort of emphasize one or another don't worry about that just, but feel the coexistence of the, of the full field of experience and especially feel the way there's other, other experience, other qualities that are not categorized within the five senses or within mind um, in any simple sense, and, and and explore these textures. And notice how that is also present within the field of experience. And it's real, it's you, it's, it's actually here. Um, and you can let yourself um, feel the way this is and feel how it's all present, it's all you, and there's nothing else. There's this bubble of different experiential textures floating into experience and try and find anything else now this is it this is reality this is the universe right look and see if you can find anything else and if you do find anything else where is it you know you, it'll be within your field of experience or you wouldn't be experiencing it of course so and and all this by just feeling just feel the textures you know and, and obviously you're not feeling it like with your hands, you're sort of just delicately feeling it with your consciousness, with your intelligence, feeling the the, the, the dynamism of it. Another interesting thing is all of these qualities that appear within all the sense fields are very dynamic, aren't they? They're like constantly shimmering, or like a tuning fork. Or, you know, there's, there's there there there's, it's like an energy that is sparkling continually. Right? It's not static. It's not just something. It's not like something that's sitting there inertly. The, you know, if you look closely, you'll find you can't find anything in there anywhere within experience. It's all vibrating, it's all shimmering or whatever. Humming. <laughs> and so, you can play with this. Just feel the presence of your experiential field as a field of textures. You know, with, with all the, the different senses. Notice the way they all you know, as, we, as we've been talking about, they all exist concurrently they don't get in each other's way. They're all different textures. And as you become more sophisticated to playing with this, you'll notice there's literally an infinite range of textures, most of which are completely beyond the, the range of what we categorize as, as the five senses and mind and so on and so forth. All sorts of very subtle energies, which we're always experiencing, but we don't talk about because we don't have words to talk about them. How do you talk about subtle vibes? I mean, you say this word, subtle vibes, That like what? You know, it just sounds like utter bullshit. (sighs) So fun. And yet, experientially, these things are obvious and they're actual. And you don't need to talk about them because it's not about talking about them. It's not about describing them or getting a handle on them. It's about feeling their actuality. And by feeling experiential energy, it shows you what it is. That is the most powerful, the most important principle of all this stuff. You don't need to figure it out. You don't need to write a dissertation on it. You just feel the presence in the nature. You know, feel it intelligently. Feel it engaged. Feel it relaxedly, playfully. Feel the presence of experiential energy, and it will show you what it is. Profoundly. Because it's not inert. It's not just stuff that's vibrating or something. It's intelligence. It's made of pure intelligence. It's made of pure profundity in completely irrational, non-verbal ways. So it's not like there's any words involved or any description involved. But there's enormous content of intelligence, enormous content of meaningfulness. And just by feeling these textures, you learn a lot. You You won't be able to say what you learn necessarily, but you'll know it. You'll be inhabiting it. You'll be owning it. Um, and, you know, it, it's all very slippery and paradoxical because of course you're already actually inhabiting it and you always have been But because we get locked into a Simplified version of what we are and what we're doing. We sort of ignore 90% of it because it's irrelevant because it's just noise in the system or something You know, yeah, there's this weird buzzing over my head. It's like, yeah, who cares? You know, I'm, I'm busy doing this whatever but, but on the contrary, if you take some time out and just let yourself feel the field of experience, you discover all this stuff's in you, it's all real, it's all you, and it all um, is profound, it all can communicate what it is, and can show you what you are, show you what this reality is, um, which turns out to be um, very empowering, very integrating, and very cool, a lot of fun. It's really interesting to discover what's going on here. I mean, it's it's a whole lot cooler than the normal human version of things. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> <clears throat> and anything else we can talk about and everything we have talked about It's just variations and aspects of this, of that, of just what we're touching on. You discover what you are by feeling it. it. And feeling is intensely intelligent engagement. It's not a rational intelligence, it's not an analytical intelligence, but it's profound intelligence. It's the inherent intelligence, it's the intelligence which is actually doing your metabolism which is presenting all this incredible barrage of information in real time with absolute precision in all your sense fields. I mean, the, intelligence, the engagement of intelligence with experiential qualities is inconceivably powerful, inconceivably broad, and you're doing it all the time, non-stop. You know, you've got some serious chops, and yet we don't let ourselves own that intelligence because... We don't identify with it. No, my intelligence is more, more I can think about, more I can talk about, you know, as opposed to just this field of hyper competent presence, you know, that just is keeping all the photons here, doing the laws of physics, running gravity, keeping the stars in their orbits. You are that. You are what's doing all that, right here, right now, within your experiential field. And simply by this, you know, this sort of process or, or, or game of feeling, letting yourself feel what it is, letting it show you what it is non-verbally, you, you will come to realize that, you'll come to know that and see it very clearly, and you'll come to inhabit it, you come to identify with it, rather than just with a very small part of it that we're used to identifying